Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly, coming to you live from Robert Morris University Studios. I am your host, Steve Stefano Mancini. And my name is Claudio Relsano, and thank you all for tuning in again. All right. Welcome back, folks, to another week here. And again, Joe, I'll just beat Claudio to it and say <laughs> thank you for your continued interest and support in the program, as always. He's the best. He is. Fantastic. And again, as always, I want to thank our listeners um, without our listeners, we are not. We have, there's no purpose in doing this show without you people listening. So we want to thank you all very much. Fun fact, we do have listeners from all over the world because we are streaming live on khbradio.com. We also are posting the shows on italianimpactweekly.com. So if you missed us live, you can go back to the website and catch them all. And uh, you know, hopefully listen to a few of them over and over again. There's some good words of wisdom. We've had some very good guests on there. And finally, I do want to make a special thank you to our sponsors. As always... We do this for you, the listeners, but it's the sponsors that are enabling us to be able to do this. So I want to thank Greater Pittsburgh Travel. Tom, thank you very much for your continued support. Pellucci Plumbing, Nick and Amy, thank you very much. Again, Nick, I've known you for a long time. You've supported me on a few endeavors. I want to thank you again. I also want to thank the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh, Domenica and Salvatore. Again, thank you very much for your support. And last but not least, La Scuola d'Italia, Galileo Galilei, the only nonprofit school here in Pittsburgh that's actually endorsed by the consulate in uh the Italian consulate in Philadelphia. And again, we want to appreciate everybody and everything you're doing for us. And if you go on our website, italianimpactweekly.com, you can uh, see the, their contact information. So that's uh, very important. As the show starts to grow, for better or worse, folks, we're going to have commercials. And you're yeah. not going to like it, but we're going to have to have commercials on here because, you know, everybody wants to take that. I got to go get something to drink. Right? You know what? On, on my podcast, I have commercials and people say that's become a part of the show. Really? And, and our sponsors are a part of the show. I was kind of liking the idea of just never having a commercial. However, we did have Marky nah, Pasquale did have good. his commercial in there for a while. But, yeah, we're going to have to start throwing some <clears throat> commercials good. in here. Well, good. I like reading. I know when I was doing the radio show last year, I used to read the commercials. You know, why they'd give me the script and I'd just read it live. And, you know, it worked. Do you remember years ago in the early 70s, um, I forgot what show would be on, but uh, Pie Trainer used to do a commercial who can? American. It would be on Studio Wrestling. It would be on, I think, that Chili Billy. There were some other shows. And that commercial resonated with people just as much as the shows did. You know, I want so, to just uh, want to say that uh, I don't remember much about the early 70s, buddy, because <laughs> I was still a little wee lad. So we'll just leave so it So was there. I, but I remember it. But anyways, and also the folks that uh, are coming back, you remember last week we had Jenny D. Yeah. Spill me, Jenny D. That was actually a fun show. Joe is still loving it. <laughs> Joe loved it. Um, no, it was a great show. Games. I want to thank you, Jenny D. I know you're out there listening, so again, thank you. We are going to have you back. This week's guest is going to be Julia Streisfeld from the National Italian American Foundation. And Julia is the director of scholarships, grants, and youth engagement. And one of the things that we've talked about in the past was how do we engage the youth, get that younger generation involved in different, you know, not just the culture, but just Italian I'm going to say things, generally speaking, you know, just out there, just getting them fired up, getting them interested. And uh, NEAF has done a good job of trying to maybe find that sweet spot to engage the youth and, uh, you know, appreciate everything that they're doing for uh, supporting us as well. Because we've had a couple of guests from NEAF on the show. We had Claire on about a month and a half or so ago. Yeah, believe it or not. And talk, yeah, it's been a while. All right, so again, folks, we want to thank our guest, Julia, who's joining us from, Julia, you're out in Washington, D.C., is that correct? Yes, I am. Awesome. All right, Julia, thank you very much for joining the show. And your formal title is Director of Scholarships, Grants, and Youth Engagement. And again, I want to thank you to the show. Of course. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, no. Glad to, glad to have you on. Again, we like the idea of trying to support different Italian organizations. Um, we've had NEAF on before. 
We've had uh, Calabria Club on. Um, we've had Lasquala on. You know, talking about different things that are going on, and you know, that's kind of the purpose of the show is to kind of reengage the culture. You know, Claudia, we've said this before. We'll say it again. We want to inform and entertain. We're doing it from an Italian spin, but we have a lot of different folks on here. It just seems like early guests have been a lot of Italians. In fact, Joe's been working on his Italian. He, he's <laughs> even got the hand gestures going. If only people could see it. But Julia, I want to thank you again for joining us. And uh, let's kind of start off about who Julia is for our listeners. So Julia, tell us a little bit about yourself. Of course. Um, so I grew up in White Plains, New York. Um, it's a suburb outside of New York City, just north of the Bronx. Um, and I grew up in an area that was very, very ethnic. Everyone was very in touch with their heritage. Um, and it really made for an awesome melting pot. Um, but being, um, being somebody whose great grandparents came from Italy, uh, from my mother's side, um, it kind of, it was very interesting to see the difference in how connected I was to my heritage versus, um, the people around me were. Um, and I will say, you know, I come from a background of Italian Americans, um, where like so many different Italian Americans and just new Americans in general, they really just wanted to be American. Um, so coming from Sicily, um, my family, um, my grandfather in particular, and my grandmother, they really wanted to make sure that they were well ingrained into American society. So they wanted to look like the cover of a 50s magazine, essentially. Um, so with that, we did end up losing a lot of our heritage. And as I was growing up, um, I was given the opportunity to take Italian. Um, I'm so thrilled and honestly lucky um, that in middle school I was given the opportunity to take Italian um, and from there I just stuck with it. Um, once I finished high school I actually went on to major in Italian at Penn State um, then I went on to uh, study at University of Connecticut to get my master's um, in uh, Italian language, language literature and culture. Um, fast forward a few years after that, um, it's great. I was able to uh, land my dream job right out of grad school um, as the assistant director of programs um, at the foundation, um, and I've kind of risen through the ranks throughout the years. Um, and now that's grown to me being the director of scholarships, grants, and youth engagement at the foundation. Um, and it's been an absolute dream come true. So let's kind of, I want to ask you a question because you said that your grandparents and they came over here, and, and this is not uncommon. A lot of, you know, that mm -hmm. depending on what generation immigrated here, what year, there, there's definitely the before the war, right after the war, there's the 60s, you know, there's people coming over here now, and they all, they all have kind of a, one, a different flavor, and two different reasons for why they're coming here. But definitely a lot of the older ones, when they came over here, they sort of, I don't want to say they abandoned their culture, but they're like, okay, we're going to America. We've talked about this before, Claudio. We, we got to be American. So they're going to come over here and they're going to adopt American principles. But seeing as how they did that, what was the impetus for you to kind of pick up on the culture? Like what was driving you then to want to start studying, for example, Italian in middle school and then pick up the studies at Penn State? Well, to be completely honest, it, it's, it's so important to know about your heritage. And even as a young child, I guess 11 is a child, um, I really understood that it's important to know where you, you, where you came from and to appreciate that. Um, growing up in an area where everyone is so connected to their heritage, I really felt like I was missing something um, because I saw everybody, you know, in touch with their heritage and I didn't really have that. 
Um, so when I saw that I had the opportunity to take Italian, that was my way in to learn more about my family, just because, again, and my family was very much so, uh, you know, the World War II family that um, went and served in the Army and came back and, you know, was part of the women's club and didn't really have, an, have a, a real understanding of where we came from just because that was kind of what they needed to do at the time to make sure that they were successful, um, or at least that's what they felt they needed to do. Um, so I'm just so glad that I was able to go ahead and take that opportunity because I know a lot of people, um, young Italian Americans especially, don't really have that opportunity. Um, and I'm just grateful I grew up where I did, where I had that opportunity. You know, Julia, th this is Claudio. When you said that about paraphrasing, losing the heritage. Where I'm from here in, in just outside of Pittsburgh in a little town called Swickley, there were a lot of incoming Italians, I'd say from the 20s to the 70s. And to mm -hmm. be honest with you, the ones that I knew, none of them mm -hmm. allowed their families, from what I could see, to lose that Italian heritage. But in other areas, without mentioning the areas, they maybe it didn't seem like they were as passionate about keeping that Italian heritage alive. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, in my area, it was yes, we're Italian. We're we love being here. My dad used to say, "Love being Italian," but you know, love the states. Obviously, that that goes without saying. So I, I I didn't think I grew up with yes, be proud of who you are, be proud of where you are. Both. Um, did you think that? The people that you knew and or your family had to, they felt that they had to choose one or the other? Um, I think to a certain extent they did, um, especially in the New York area. You know, they settled in Brooklyn and I think um, they saw some unsavory things happening at the time um, and just the way that people dealt with Sicilian American immigrants okay. or Sicilian immigrants. Um, and you have to keep in mind, too, that my family came over not, uh, I think, 1897, so mm. not super long after the lynching in, lynchings in New Orleans. Um, so I think that's something that they were very cognizant of. Um, uh, my great-grandparents were very in tune with their heritage, um, but for whatever reason, my grandparents really felt the need to uh, not forsake it, but find ways to get more ingrained in the, uh, the American culture and do whatever they can that way. Well, one reason may have been the way they were treated. Right, you know, exactly. You know, then they say, okay, we better shift over to this way because I know my dad, when he came over here in 35, he was a little boy. He was born in 20, he was born in 28. Maybe he came here a little bit after, but anyway, you know, as, as an elementary student, you know, he wasn't treated very well. Um, right. A actually, he was slapped one time by a teacher uh, that had some der oh. yeah, derogatory. And it's a good thing he didn't tell my grandfather because all hell would have broke loose. But <laughs> nonetheless, right. uh, it was different times then. But, yeah, a lot of them probably um, felt that they had to make that shift so they could make a living. And even some, as you know, as we all know, they used to have to change their names. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, but that's uh, I guess you have to adjust with the times. And but but a lot of them, like I said, they were very proud uh, from where I'm from. And really, you talk about Brooklyn. When you think of Brooklyn, you do think of Italians, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and but they, they were very proud of their heritage. But so your your thoughts on those comments? 
Um, so, you know, I, I really think it just matters. Uh, it, it really depends on the situation right, that they're right. in. Um, everybody has a different situation, so they deal with things differently. Sure. Um, and I just think that everybody is just trying to do the best that they can. Right, exactly. Um, no matter what no matter what that looks like, they're just trying to do the best that they can for their families. And I think that's what my grandparents were trying to do there. Sure. Um, just because they, they did come from, as many Italian, um, Italian American families do, they came from you know very humble roots and they wanted to make sure that they were seizing every opportunity that they could. Um, and I think that when they were here, they were a little bit discouraged by, my grandparents in particular were discouraged by, you know, they were they were discouraged by the lack of opportunities that they saw so they wanted to create more for themselves sure julie that's it's very um apropos that you brought something up you talked about the lynching and i'll tell you a funny Mm -hmm. story is i grew up and had never heard of that i i knew that italians were were treated badly you know it, it, it was almost like um it was almost like casual mentioning, like, oh, they used to get treated like crap. And you don't think that, you don't realize, people don't realize, and it's not just the Italians, it's a lot of immigrants that come over here. So I won't, I won't just boo-hoo and say, oh, the Italians. Like a lot of people that come over here. But for whatever reason, and we're going to switch here in a little bit into the, into, the, into the organization. But for whatever reason, it's kind of like we're so quick to bury certain people's, like, bad events of their past. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um and I'm not saying we want to sit there and keep harping on the past and all the negativity, but you know, when you when you joined before, let's say let's say I squared before you joined NEAF, did mm-hmm. you have like awareness under these kinds of events, maybe just through school or like for family, or you didn't know anything about this until you kind of joined an organization that was more about you know really pushing and celebrating the culture and saying, by the way, we've overcome a lot too. So it's really interesting because I did have a concept of it, um, of the lynchings in 1891, but I will say it was just, they, they don't really talk very much about the specific history of Italians and Italian Americans in the, the U.S. Uh, college system, I would say. Um, then again, it's also been over 10 years since I've been in college, so it could, that may have changed by now. Um, but with that, um, it was something that I was, uh, I would say, uh, exposed to when I did take an Italian American course. Um, but I think I, again, I was very, very fortunate to be at a university where they did have some of the newer, uh, courses that weren't yet part of the math curriculum for Italian studies, I would say. Um, and I think that was, you know, kind of early on in the days before they really, um, they really went and embraced having Italian American courses. Um, but I will say that the majority of the courses that I did take really focused more on literature, on, you know, arts, um, a very classical look at um, the Italian culture. And it's absolutely fantastic. But I think sometimes it kind of missed <laughs> a little bit of the, the tangible, um, uh, the tangible relevant things that you think of when you are an Italian American. It's a little bit, there's a little bit of a disconnect. Um, So that was something that was spoken about a little bit more when I came to the foundation. But I think for us, um, we see it as a way for, for the Italian American community to always venture upward and always try to achieve more. 
um, and, you know, prove obviously the, the people that did this were completely wrong, but we find that it's so important to show them how wrong they really were. Now let's talk about, um, let's kind of switch gears a little bit because the reason that a lot of these organizations <clears throat> exist is, I don't want to say it's just not just cultural promotion, but it's about getting groups of people, especially the smaller social clubs, like whether it's, you know, mm -hmm. Sons and Daughters of Italy, you know, ISDA, NEAF, Calabria Club, Adelaide, whatever club is out there. Tell the listeners about NEAF and, and give us a little history of that because we're, we're going to, and we're going to, and there's a, there's a segue coming is obviously has to relate to your job and we're going to get to that in a second. But let's talk about what's NEAF and why would someone care about the organization in, in general? Absolutely. Um, so I will say I, I do feel very lucky to work for the foundation. Um, it's a very different type of Italian-American organization, I would say. Um, I think back in 1975, when our founders came together, they really wanted to find a way um, to really promote what we're do uh, what uh, the influence that Italian-Americans had on the United States. Um, and that was really our way of almost, I would say, um, making our, a, a link to Washington, D.C. and getting involved with, you know, representatives in Congress, um, not necessarily as we're not a lobbying organization, but we do make sure that we maintain um, our connection to Congress and the powers that be in Washington, D.C., um, just to really showcase all of the achievement of Italian Americans, um, as opposed to, um, well, I should say that we do um, obviously want to pr promote the heritage and culture, but what sets us apart from other organizations is our main focus is on the excellences of Italian Americans and Italy. Um, whereas it's, so from that perspective, it's a little bit, um, higher level thinking and, you know, promotion of what Italian Americans do, um, just on a grander scale. Um, and that's what it, that's, what's a little bit different between us and say, you know, different lodges throughout the country. It's more of a way of promoting, um, as opposed to being a social club. Julia is the younger generation as passionate as inquisitive about our culture as the older generation. And I'll, I'll label it, or bracket is, I'd say 30 and under as the younger generation. Um, I think it's, you know, it's a very different approach that people my age and younger have to their <clears throat> heritage. Um, I think it's, the, it's a, the way that people now embrace their heritage, I think, has evolved um, uh, in comparison to prior generations. Um, I think, you know, the fact that you can take Italian in schools and you can learn about the Italian-American history and all of that at a university level, maybe when it wasn't quite as accessible in the past, um, I think they, one, are interested in it from you know, more of a modern day Italy perspective and how they relate to um, the greatness of, you know, our mother country. Um, but also I think they 
since they're not as connected to the people that came over here on the ships, they have a different way of interfacing with their heritage because they didn't see the struggle that their uh, grandparents or great grandparents uh, had to go through when they were here. It's a little bit more abstract to them. Um, so I would say that it's absolutely evolved. And I think people are now more prone to be interested in learning about the customs and all of that. Um, that uh, So like the Italian customs, not necessarily the Italian American customs that have evolved over time and all of that. Obviously there is that interest, um, but I think with so many students being later generations and multiple generations removed from uh, the family members that went and actually immigrated here, it's a little bit different. I can't say it's more or less interested, but it's just a different type sure. of interest that they've expressed. Got it. All right. For those just joining us, we're being joined by uh, Julia Streisfeld. She is the Director of Scholarship Grants and Youth Engagement. And Julia, it's a good segue into something. So NEAF has been very involved with obviously youth and university level. Now you guys have something called NEAF on campus. What is that? Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so NEAF on campus is essentially, I would say our answer to Hillel on co uh, college campuses. Um, with um, the NEAF on campus program, what we really try to do is get um, involved on different college campuses through um, different student-run Italian clubs um, at the university level. Um, we're, we really want to make sure that we're um, in contact with these groups because for so many people, um, this is really their first opportunity to uh, go ahead and learn more about their heritage. And even if they've taken Italian courses before, um, there's something very different about an Italian club since it is specifically student-led. Um, it gives them the opportunity to really um, go above and beyond what they've learned in the classroom and make it personal to them. Um, so with the program, we, we want to make sure that we're giving these students the resources for their Italian clubs to thrive on their campuses and grow. Um, just because this, you have a captive audience on college campuses. And, you know, I know so many people, at least when I was in, in college, um, it was really interesting because a lot of young people don't really have a concept of their heritage until they're out of the house. Um, so even if they're not taking uh, Italian courses, they find their way to the Italian clubs and all of that to just kind of find a sense of home. Um, and that really, I think, gets people more interested in their heritage. Um, and a lot of the times they even saw that there were students that, um, you know, joined the Italian club that didn't necessarily take Italian, but then became interested in learning Italian because of the relationships that they built um, within the Italian club and the, the almost families that they created. I, I think with you, with you, this is Claudio again, I think what you guys are doing is fantastic in the sense that uh, I, I know with my dad, my mom and dad, uh, they were both born over in Italy and, and they if there was a, a sitcom, they would say, look, there's an Italian producer. There's an Italian writer. They, they, they instilled that with me and in, in athletics and entertainment and science, everything that the Italians did. I was notified of it. And then I think and, and I do that with my daughter, but I think that kind of got lost. For, for with some families. But now I think with what you're doing in your organization, let's say the 30, 40 year old um, parents with you 
instilling things in them and getting involved in your organization. Hopefully they will instill our culture and our history in their kids. Do you, is, is that something that's one of your goals? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think even for me, um, just I, I know a lot of people my age have a similar experience to, you know, what I uh, my situation growing up where we didn't really have such a tangible connection to our heritage since it was, you know, a number of generations ago. Um, and I think a lot of people, since they are in the unique opportunity to be able to bring back um, pieces of culture into their family, they want to make sure that they don't lose that again. Um, one thing that I've kind of always thought about is, you know, it's so much harder to rebuild a sense of your culture than it is to maintain it. And I think my generation is a little uh, much more aware of that. I'm sorry, Julie, repeat that again. You said it's harder to rebuild than, than maintain? Yeah, I think okay. um, at right, least I agree, from, yeah. from my perspective, yeah, it's just it's harder to re- just grasp something that was lost right, um, and rebuild line. your sense of self yeah. than it is to just maintain it. Yep, no, um, I agree. Because something always gets lost in the mix, too. Um, like, I'm sure there are things that I'm never going to know about my family just because they did get so ingrained in the American society, and that's sad. Sure. Um, once once you lose that, the, there's no guarantee that you're going to get that back. Now, actually, Julie, that's, a, that's an interesting point. I'll tell you why. We had uh, Angela was a guest on here a couple months ago, and she was telling us a story that I think was her grandmother that had passed away and the names were all changed right. and she couldn't and it was like the way they couldn't bury her they couldn't get the right death certificate and it was just very like I, like I don't think people understand when you 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 know you're literally you said something before if you don't you don't know your your roots you don't know who you are and i've said that before you don't know who you are you don't know where you're going john f kennedy said if you don't know where you came from you don't know where you're going right yeah. so i mean it's it's all about roots and people say why is this important why is it important? because it's defining who you are as a person and you kind of said it. When that gets lost, you, you can't you can't go to the cemetery and say, "Can you tell me a story?" They're right. dead, <clears throat> and you've lost it forever. And that was why one of the, the big things I'm trying to do is go out and talk to the older folks. And I'm encouraging. I tell a lot of kids. I, I teach part time here at Robert Morris, and I encourage a lot of these to go out and talk to folks. Go talk to folks. Everybody's got a story. It's been our theme from day one. And it's not even just about being Italian. It's just about everybody's got a story. Go find right. out something of interest. You know, because it kind of defines how you got there, how you are. Say right. It's not just the Italians. Right. I, I know people who are Irish, Poles. So where did your family from in mm-hmm. Ireland? I don't know. What, what I mean, nationality are three quarters is 10%. Yeah. They don't know. Right. It's amazing. And, and, and I it's think important. That there's something lost there. Yeah, it's I, I lost. Think there, there's, yeah. It's a good that we have a melting pot, but the melting pot doesn't mean you don't exactly. forget the, where the plants you don't have were. To, you don't have to make a, a choice. Right. Why can't it be both? That's right. Yeah. So, Julia, we're going to come back here in a, in a quick second here. I want to take a quick break to uh, pay the bills. So, uh, Claudia, I'll take it away. Well, we're going to have some upcoming guests, great guests, uh, before we talk about the people who are great sponsors of ours. Uh, Vince Papali, the former Philadelphia Eagle and the subject of the movie Invincible, will be on. Boxing promoter, one of the top boxing promoters in the country, in the world, really, Joe DeGuardia. The air date is uh, June 15th. Jerry Cooney, the boxing icon. He's not Italian, but he's a great guy. I talked to him yesterday. He can't wait to be on. Donnie Lalonde, former light heavyweight champ of the world, great story. Story, great guy. He'll be on. And we're going to try to get, I'm going to connect with Dick Vermeil, 
He's a great guy. He's a Super Bowl-winning coach, Super Bowl 34 with the L.A. Rams. He'll be on. Uh, I'm going to ask him, but I'm sure Dick never says no to me. And we've had uh, last week, uh, no, a couple weeks ago, Vince Ferragamo, the L.A. Rams, former quarterback, and Mario Andretti, the racing icon. And uh, if you missed those shows, you can go to ItalianImpactWeekly.com. And as always, I want to thank Greater Pittsburgh Travel, Tom Deeks again. Thanks, Tom. And I'm looking forward to a wonderful vacation. I also want to thank Nick and Amy at Pellucci Plumbing. Nick, Amy, and once, I cannot I cannot stress this, you guys have supported me before in the past, so you know that this means a lot to me. Thank you very much. I want to thank uh, the folks at Calabria Club of Pittsburgh and Domenica. Salvatore, great event a couple of weeks ago, the bocce tournament there in Highland Park. Enjoyed it, loved it. Again, if you want to get the contacts for these folks, like Claudia says, go out to italianimpactweekly.com. Last but not least, La Scuola d'Italia, Galileo Galilei. Again, Angela and the folks, thank you all for your support, and I look forward to continuing working with you and continue to take my lessons. All right, welcome back. Thank you all very much for uh, sticking with us. I have a question I want to ask that I don't think Julia has ever been asked. Ready, Julia? Potentially. We'll uh, see. Okay. <laughs> all right. How do, if you've ever been in this position, but how have the people from Italy, the Italians from Italy, how do they think about the organizations, the Calabria Club, the, the your organization? Now, uh, what, what do they think about clubs like that? Um, honestly, I, I can't speak for clubs like the Calabria Club, but I think when we go over to Italy, um, they're just really amazed at the commitment um, to uh, furthering our culture and making sure that there's a connection um, you know, to Italy now. Um, so frequently, people that are of Italian American heritage or part of clubs, um, Italian American clubs, they have a rather, I would say, an a kind of antiquated way of looking at it, um, almost in a way, just in a nostalgic way. Um, I think they're very um, interested and happy to see that we're taking interest in the modern Italian culture. Um, as well as, you know, honoring our past, which is, of course, always going to be a part of what we do. Um, but my, my favorite thing is when I was in Italy in 2019, um, I was in Molise with a, a great group of students, um, and they just kept on looking at me and saying, why are you here? Well, because each individual Italian culture, um, each region, each city, that's important to what we do because it makes it makes a, makes up a bigger part of the mosaic that is Italy, and it's so important to recognize those each individual um, greatnesses that each region has. When you went over there, did you? When you came back, did you look at your family members who were from there a little differently? Maybe appreciated them a little bit more, their struggles and and the successes they had here. Oh, absolutely, and I think that's the main purpose why we bring the students over to Italy. Um, we want to make sure, one, that they have an understanding of where their families uh, come from. And, of course, you know, during these trips, we do have a portion in Rome. But we really want to make sure um, that they are seeing, you know, each individual town. That And a lot of them come out of the trip saying, oh, look at these little towns. They feel like this is something like my great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents in some case. These are the towns that they might have walked through. Um, and I think it's a humbling experience for them. Um, and it's very, I will say the first time I went to my family's hometown, um, my family's from Castello Marido Golfo in, in Sicily, 
um, it it was really eye opening. It's obviously all of these different places are absolutely beautiful, but you also have to think about you know what they were, what it was like before they left. Um, and I think that's so important for people to understand. So that is funny you say that because everyone sees what it looks like now and go, oh, this is lovely. But these people didn't leave lovely Italy. They left broke, right. you know, poor, in some cases, war-torn sections of the country. In fact, if you go to those little lovely towns, and I'll be back again this summer going to my little lovely town, and it's got some very nice spots, but then there's some other spots, no secret, it's still poor. Yeah. I mean, there are, it is, it's funny, Italy is one of those places, you go to something like Rome or Milan, and you know, it's a first world country and everything's fine. Then you can go to some country, you're like you're in a th- you're, or some <laughs> you're in a third world country because they're so broke. Right. I mean, that's why they're paying people to move into those towns because there's no jobs. The youth are leaving. They're basically just dying off. And so they're like, you know, that's, that hasn't changed. So, you know, just something for folks to think about that, you know, that struggle, it still happens in certain parts of that country. It is not a super rich country. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm hoping that when you guys take the, 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 you know, these students back there, you say, look, here, this is the nice part. And this is, this is the more example of where your great, great, great grandparents probably came from a mm-hmm. hundred years ago. Um, because you guys, now you guys do that. You have that voyage of discovery. And is that yeah. kind of what you're doing here then? You're, you're taking them around to these little towns or just, or just, yeah. is it more touristy or is it more like, Hey, we're going to immerse you. So it's it's a combination of both. We want to make sure that everybody um, is going to, you know, the important museums and all of that, but also really getting a good understanding of, you know, this is what life is like for these people. Um, My colleague who runs the program, um, she does such a great job um, at making sure that you, you see the real town. And yes, of course, you go on tours, but the students get free time where they're able to walk around and really experience what life is like um, from the Italian perspective, um, where they can go and have coffee and this and that. And they get to see, um, you know, the locals in action, what they do on a daily basis, um, and just get a better idea of what Italian life is like, whether that be in a big city or in a small town. Um, And I think it's really moving for the students to really see, you know, the whole gambit of, you know, this is what they want you to see, the museum, see the landmarks, all of that. Um, But a lot of the students are, I think they're taken aback a little bit that there are so many of these small towns. And it's just for so, for me, I can't speak for myself because I'm from New York. So I think everywhere is like New York. But um, with that, I, a lot of these students are kind of surprised that these little towns still exist and they wonder, okay, what do these people do for a living? Um, and I think they're really uh, in tune to that because they're in the process of figuring out what they're going to be doing for their next steps in life. Um, so it's very relevant to them and they think about, you know, what opportunities are available for young Italians today. Now, this Voyage of Discovery, are these... Are these a sample of the scholarship winners, or is this all of the scholarship winners get this opportunity? Because I want to talk about the scholarships here in a second. This is actually a separate process. Um, I just have the the benefit. Um, My colleague had just had a wonderful, beautiful little baby girl, Um, so she is not able to travel um, yet. Um, So with that, I'm subbing in for her. Um, But this is a 
completely separate process. Um, we have an application that is opened from November 1st to, I believe, January 31st of each year. Um, and with that, um, we send out a call for applications for students um, ages 18 to 23 that um, have never been to Italy. Um, obviously, they have to be Italian American, uh, have Italian American heritage, but the biggest caveat is they should have never been to Italy before. Um, so this is really their first experience with Italy um, in person, um, which is so moving to see. And I love being able to, um, having been able to help out occasionally with this program. How difficult, or maybe not, hopefully not, but with all the different organizations popping up, and, and even some that have been around for decades, how hard is funding? Um, so we are in a very unique uh, position. Um, the program is actually endowed um, by the late Ambassador Peter F. Secchia. Um, so that has provided the funding for the program. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's, that's real yeah, good. Exactly. You threw a curve at me there. That's really good. We were expecting to yeah, hear about no, the Kalos. It's, it's a great yeah. thing. No. So let's talk about that, though, because um, now you guys offer a lot of scholarships. Let's talk about the scholarship program very quickly, because I want to talk about I want because I, I want to lead that into the galas, because a lot. And I'll give you just really quick. I'll kind of jump ahead. A lot of folks here when we're here in Pittsburgh and, you know, we have a lot of members of NAF. I'm a member of NAF. So I say, OK, what does it do for me? You know, you have these big galas in New York and Washington, D.C. And I said, well, OK, well, what, what am I doing here? I want to talk about what those galas actually fund, and I think a lot of it is the scholarships. Am I right? Yeah. Um, so basically what we do with our different galas is we, we do have a number of scholarships that are privately funded, um, but the, essentially the money that is raised to our gal, uh, through our galas, they enable us to continue putting on these programs. Um, so with that, there's a number of it that does um, go towards scholarships, but also at the, at the same time, there's still a number of costs associated with running these programs. Um, so it's a combination of both. Sure. And what kind of scholarships does NEF offer? Um, so we actually have, I believe, 22 or 23 different <coughs> categories of scholarships. Um, and what we do is um, a lot of the times these are scholarships that um, specific, specifically have been uh, funded by private donors that choose different um, scholarship criteria. Um, we have a number of base requirements for the program in general. Um, that is the student that's applying must have Italian American heritage, um, must be a member of the foundation or have a parent or grandparent that's a member of the foundation. Um, have a 3.5 GPA and have, um, let's see, uh, be attending a university on a full-time basis in uh, that upcoming fall. Um, but with that, with the different scholarships that we offer, each one has different criteria. Um, so it ranges from where, um, where the student grew up. So for example, we have the Mako Enterprises Scholarship, um, which actually is specific to students from Pennsylvania. Um, that demonstrate financial need. Um, and we have business scholarships. We have um, scholarships that are uh, uh, for students from Massachusetts. We have a ton of different criteria. So it's hard to go through all of it right now. Um, but we, what we always do is we recommend that people go on our website. Um, and we do have an available scholarships page if there's anybody out there that's interested in learning more. Um, just to see if um, any of the scholarships 
uh, go ahead and uh, are, you would be eligible for any of those scholarships. I do want to, I want to, I want to add something to that because I think a lot of people, especially people that are listening and we get re-aired on RME radio. We are aired on, you know, KHB, so multiple channels. ItalianImpactWeekly.com. But, but the point is, there are a lot of people listening. And, you know, we talk about the cost of education. And I see it over and over again where kids do not apply for grants and scholarships. You say, would you apply for that? No, I'm not going to win. No, I'm not going to win. They don't bother to apply. I'm curious, Julia, do you guys run into I mean, I've seen it. I mean, I remember when I was, you know, worked in the government a long time ago. And we had something called Scholarship for Service. And it's still there. And years ago... It basically pays your tuition and it gives you a stipend and it pays your books. It's a great deal. And then you get a guaranteed job afterwards. And they would not have enough people applying for it. Now, now it's a different, mm -hmm. they, they've got it now. Did you guys ever have that problem where people just weren't applying for scholarships? Maybe it either was an awareness um, or just whatever. So one funny thing that we do run into is I will say that our scholarship pro program is our most competitive program. We get uh, tons of applicants each year. Um, obviously way more than we're able to accommodate. If, if I had it my way, I would give scholarships to every single person that applied um, because the stories you hear are absolutely outstanding. Um, but since it is a competitive process, people I think get a little bit, um, uh, they get a little bit discouraged right. um, because it is a competitive process. But my thinking when I hear somebody that says, you know, I'm not going to apply because you receive X amount of applications each year, um, what's the likelihood of me getting that? My reaction to that is, first of all, you can't get it if you don't put in the application, first of all. But also, every organization has a different, um, has a different mission statement. And you never know if you know, the work that you're doing in college or your different achievements resonate with that organization. Um, for us, we look at our scholarship recipients and when we review their applications, we try to make sure that we're looking for people that are going to be um, the Italian-American leaders of tomorrow. Um, so statistically, could it be unlikely? Yes, but you know, everybody has an outstanding story and it's just a matter of putting your story out there before somebody uh, says that it resonates with them is my thinking. What's next for the organization? Are you looking to ramp up the galas? Are you going to have other different events, other projects? What are you looking to do next? Um, so right now, um, a more recent thing that we're doing is we've been raising funds for the Emilia-Romagna flooding. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to provide um, grants to Emilia-Romagna to help uh, carry out any renovations. Um, one thing that we're really trying to do moving forward is really focus on the young Italian American population, um, just because, you know, it's evolving. The Italian American population is evolving and we're very cognizant of that. So we just want to make sure that, you know, we're putting ourselves out there as a resource and we're trying to make sure that we're able to build out the Voyage of Discovery program offer um, more spots on the Voyager Discovery program, more spots for EF on campus. Um, I think it's really a matter, our biggest thing right now is making sure that we are working with young Italian Americans. Um, obviously with that, um, as a national organization, we are looking to different regions of the United States where we can um, 
where we can go and get more involved and create a greater foothold or stronghold in the um, these areas. Just because since we don't have a lodging structure um, or a lodge structure, um, it's hard for us to be everywhere. And one of the things that I hear most frequently um, is, you know, specifically with people that are looking for scholarships, they say, you know, I've never even heard of you guys. Um, and we want to make sure that we are getting our name out there, whether that be through regional events, regional galas, um, that kind of thing, membership drives in um, different towns across the country, um, that kind of thing, and really making sure that we get our name out there. Interviews like um, this? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yes, this. <laughs> um, this, but like just uh, working with our area coordinators and really having boots on the ground because we have you know we're we're a small staff we're a small but very mighty staff but it's always good to have the boots on the ground that know the the uh the idiosyncrasies of each italian american area uh the community what their interests are and um one thing about italians that i found is that um we are a very community-based group um so i think being able to create Um, a stronger connection to individual communities is really important to us um, as we look forward. Now, funny you said that people don't know these things exist, and I just learned that you guys are actually creating a scholarship database to try and capture other, is that going to be other organizations that are going to be in there as well, or is it just NEAF scholarships? Yeah. Um, So actually, yes, I am spearheading that initiative. Um, One thing, uh, my, my thinking and NEAF thinking is this we're all working towards the same goal of supporting Italian American youth. Um, And since we do have a program um, that is competitive, we just wanna make sure that, you know, the Italian American students that are applying for our scholarship, whether they get a scholarship or not, that they're aware of the different um, opportunities that that are out there. Again, we're all working for the same cause um, and we wanna make sure that that resource is out there. Um, I was surprised to see that short of going on fast web and, you know, filtering um, Italian American heritage scholarships, there wasn't really anything out there that had a, an exhaustive listing of Italian scholarships. When is the uh, next gala and are you honoring anybody in particular? Um, so right now, um, I do not have, um, I, I don't know if we have any honorees secured for I'm, a, I'm available. Gala. I'm available. <laughs> Look me up. I'm available. <laughs> we'll that's pencil a, you in. That's a big in. hint, But we do have our October gala coming up. Um, it's on October 14th at that's the my birthday. Hotel. So wait a minute. That's oh. my birthday. So there's another, so, I'm crowbarring myself <laughs> in. So we're celebrating your birthday. We have a big party for you. There you go. I'll take it. Julia, he's not asking much, you know. I don't think this is an outrageous ask. Julia, I got a question. How how can we in Pittsburgh, little old Pittsburgh, get you guys to do something out here? Good question. Um, so that's a great point. Um, I'm putting you on the spot. I know. I'm putting you on the spot. No, that, that's okay. I, so what I think we're really trying to do with Pittsburgh is I know that we're trying to get a greater foothold, um, stronghold on our membership um, in Pittsburgh. So on May 10th, um, I believe it was, we did actually have yep. a membership event 
Um, and what we really want to do is just make sure that there is an audience for it. And then at that point, once we know that there's interest, then we'll come out and we'll do different events and all of that. So I was at the May 10th event. I liked it. I will never pass up free hors d'oeuvres. Um, the beer was not free, but uh, I still enjoyed it anyways. Um, no, it was a nice event. And Was uh, Julia there? Was Julia I there? wish I was. No. Okay. No, I miss Julian. Um, but I was there, Julian. Actually, it was a nice event. And my point being, though, is um, I'm I'm assuming that you've got feedback from that. And it should have been positive. Because it seemed like there was a good interest there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think what it is, is folks are looking, they'll get involved. And this, is, this has been my whole thing. It's like, what, I hate to say it like this. There's a little bit of a selfishness. What do I get out of this? I'm going to join NEAF. Okay, I'm going to join you guys. I joined you guys, by the way, um, mm-hmm. before the May 10th. Thank you. No, no, I, I, you're welcome. But, I mean, I was glad <laughs> to do it because, you know, I, I knew about the organization. Believe it or not, I was getting the emails. But I was like, well, why would mm-hmm. I want to join this organization? And it was when I learned things like the scholarships and what the money was going towards. Mm-hmm. So, if you're, you know, to get people to join, it's like, like Pittsburgh. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm only using that because we're in Pittsburgh, but it could apply to any other town that's not, you know, Washington, D.C., New York, or, or Frisco Enough, or something, yeah. right, something big. <clears throat> because you have these kind of like, Cleveland's a good example. Cleveland's got a lot of Italians there, yeah, and they're a very yeah. active community. Um, in some ways, I think they're more active than Pittsburgh, but they're a very active community. I know it's blasphemy to say something positive about Cleveland, and I'm from Pittsburgh. But my mm-hmm. point, though, is, is how can we get you organizations and even if it's a small gala, you know, something, even if it's once a year, you say, we're going to have this event, the money's going to be raised for this, but but this is why you joined. And then you get the people together, and now they go, ah, this is why I'm here. And I, and I think that a lot of groups, not just you guys, but I think a lot of groups miss that opportunity to say, this is why you're here, because they don't make the personal connection. Am I am I crazy? I mean, um, I am. No, but I, I mean, don't think that's crazy. <laughs> Um, so I, you know, I think that's definitely something that we're looking forward to doing. Um, and that is, uh, in comparison to prior to COVID, I, I will say we are doing a lot more regional events so we can be out in the community. Um, so we, that's something that we definitely look forward to doing in the future. Um, and we're kind of in more of the beginning stages of uh, branching out from the Washington, D.C. and New York, New York area. Um, so there's definitely a possibility of that happening. Um, and I just think we, I, I will say we are a small but mighty staff. Um, and it does take a lot of manpower to put on these different galas. Um, so it's not beyond the realm of possibility right. that we'll have one eventually. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, making sure that there's interest there and that there are members there um, to attend these different events because it does take a lot of resources for us to put them on. Oh, I I understood completely. In fact, um, like I said, I was with the, um, when the Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei had their fundraiser, I had a little bit of insight in, you know, having worked for a nonprofit. Like, so I 1000% understand that uh, this isn't like, hey, we're just going to have a party, go reserve a room. Like, I I totally get it. Julie, before we let you go, though, I want to ask you a quick little question because, you know, you talked about these the different clubs on the universities. For these clubs to be successful, can you offer some, you know, advice for any students that are listening? Good question. Absolutely. Um, so one thing that I, I will say, I think working with your uh, advisor is super, super important for the health of the club. Um, but also figuring out a way to kind of keep the momentum going from year to year. 
Um, you know, so many of the problems that I've seen while trying to help these the different Italian clubs continue um, their successes and all of that is really having kind of a succession plan um, and making sure that the next group um, of officers is aware of, you know, all of the different work that goes into putting on events and, you know, coordinating with other organizations um, to really make sure that there's an understanding of it. Um, it's no small feat to keep um, any sort of student-run organization um, afloat. Um, but I, I think one of the biggest issues is continuity, just because, you know, people do graduate or they study abroad or anything like that. So that kind of interrupts it. So having that pipeline is super important for these clubs to make sure that they're, you know, getting everybody up to speed and training new officers and all of that. <coughs> so it's funny you say that because a couple of years, so like I said, I've been teaching at Robert Morris University for a few years now. Um, and a few years ago, you know, the Italian club here, and they have a club here on, you know, on the campus. And a few years ago, they were really active. And I'm not picking on the ones this year, but I basically didn't get anything from them. So it was like one year you're active, and now probably next year, you'll have different mm -hmm. people, and it'll probably be a completely different experience. But I, but I definitely have seen firsthand where year to year, just the change of students absolutely changes the momentum of the organization, and then. Ultimately, you know, you, you kind of said it. If you know, if a faculty is going to support this, and ultimately all these groups have some kind of faculty <clears throat> sponsor, you know, it's it's almost their ultimate responsibility to make sure that whoever's coming in to take these positions isn't just, well, I'm a president of a, of a social club, you know, wipe my hands, I don't have to do any work with it, and I can put that on my Looks resume. resume. Yeah, exactly. and, and the irony is, that, you know, I've done a lot of hiring, and, I, and I'm not trying to burst anyone's bubble. Just being a part of something. I didn't care. When I looked at people's resumes, and I've done a lot of hiring, I didn't care. But if you said I was doing these things with the organization, maybe we we're raising funding, we held this, we did that, we were part of it. Oh, oh okay. Now I, I see you did something. But even for adults, it's the same thing. Being a part of an organization, it, it so what? Anybody can be a part of an organization. So what are you doing with respect to that organization? Julie, before we let you, we go, though, we want to... Um, let our guests know how do how can they learn more about NEAF? Where's you know what's contact information and all that good fun stuff. Absolutely. Um, so my uh, first and foremost, I would uh, recommend that everybody goes on to the NEAF website, which is www.n is in Nancy, iaf is in Frank .org. Um, We have everything on there from our scholarships to our memberships. Um, information about our different government affairs programs and all of the work that we're doing in Italy. Um, so that's really the biggest thing that um, I can recommend. Um, next up, I, I would be happy to uh, get any scholarship-related emails at scholarships at neaf.org, um, and I would be happy to tell anybody that's interested more about our programs. Fantastic. And Julie, again, we want to thank you very much for your time. I know that uh, being a director is never an easy job, especially like you said, you're a small, uh, small overhead, as we'll say. But I know you guys do a lot of work out there, and we appreciate it. Appreciate all the support you're doing. In fact, for the flood victims, I actually was getting those emails. Appreciate that, uh, the effort you guys are putting out to raise funds to support the folks over in Italy that are uh, basically suffering a lot of damage, a, a, a lot of costs. It's, it's a big deal for folks that aren't paying attention to that. Um, so again, appreciate the work you guys are doing with that. Appreciate the work you're doing with the, uh, you know, with the, with the young folks in the universities. Um, these clubs go a long way to helping these kids keep some kind of foot in the door, you know, for their culture. A lot of them have lost it. Generations have gone by. So we appreciate all the work you're doing. And again, I can't thank you enough for your time. 
Claudio, as always, I like to give you the last word because, man, you just don't stop talking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Julia, no, what you're doing is very important and impactful, so we appreciate it for sure. Continued success to you, and uh, we appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. All Thanks, Julia. Right. We'll talking to you soon. All right, folks, again, we want to thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And if you missed it or you just could not get enough of our soft, sultry voices, please head out to ItalianImpactWeekly.com. Check out all this this podcast or any other shows that you may have missed. Um, we've got some new, good, exciting guests coming up. Claudio's read the list off to you. But a quick reminder, who's our guest next week? A.J. Raganti. He's a young musician, I think. It's, right. That's yeah. gonna be. He's a young musician who moved from Pittsburgh to Nashville to uh, reach his goals and dreams, and uh, he's going to be on our show. We're going to talk to him about that process, listen to a few cuts of his uh, music. I was going to say, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to yeah. actually play some music. And you're going to sing, Steve, <laughs> and Joe Hale. Joe's a musician. Joe, Joe may be a little wait. background. Joe, Joe's going to bring the guitar. And then we have uh, Vince Papali, the subject of the movie Invincible. Uh, Joe DeGuardia, one of boxing's biggest promoters, will be on. Uh, that air date will be June 15th. Jerry Cooney, boxing icon, will be on. Donnie Lalonde, former light heavyweight champ, he'll be on. We're going to try to get Dick Vermeil on, Super Bowl winning coach, Super Bowl 34 uh, winning coach will be on. We've had Mario Andretti on, Vince Ferragamo. We have my daughter on. We're going to have there our kids you go. on. A soon. couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah that's looking right. forward to that. So uh, we love doing this show. We, we uh, impact in, in information, entertaining, impact, all that. So it's hopefully, all, it's, you guys everything are we, it. it's everything we say it is on the website. Right. So get and out there. We're only getting better. We're only getting better. Again, folks, thank you very much for tuning in. Kali, I'll give you the last word. As always, thank you to the listeners, our great sponsors, Joe Hale, Steve Mancini, my mom and dad, and my wife and daughter, Linda and Ida. Thank you all. Awesome.